Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Good morning, good afternoon, welcome to the Champions. YouTube friends dropping your comments and questions in that chat and make sure you hammer, and I mean hammer, the like and subscribe buttons as we preview the action all across Europe's top five leagues and beyond. In the House of Champions today, we got James Bench and we got Nigel Rio Coker. James Bench, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Can't wait for the weekend. Should be a big one. Lots of lots and lots and lots of football to go and see. Yeah, some great games to go see, great games to commentate on, great games to analyze, great games for Nigel to sit, have a cigar, a little glass of something and enjoy. Nigel, how you doing, buddy? Oh, good. Thank you, mate. Very good. Always a pleasure to be with you guys. It is a pleasure, mate. It is. House of Champions is just something I enjoy doing every single day. I think we all kind of enjoy it, right? It's something where we get an opportunity to have a platform to share, uh, obviously, our analysts, analysts, our words, our ideas, whatever it is about the beautiful game. And uh, also allow people to jump in and join in the conversation. So if you're out there and you're enjoying the show, let us know who you support. Let us know which game you're looking forward to watching. Let us know your thoughts and feelings about what the guys are about to say. It's a short show today. We're previewing what's happening this weekend, and we're going to actually begin in Italy. Serie A, by the way, you can watch it on Paramount+. Plus. Oh, yes. Great team there, obviously, getting you set for every game's pre-game, post-game, halftime shows all across the board. Paramount+, Plus has you covered. Make sure you jump in. It is, Nigel the Milan Derby, Inter against AC Milan. Now, I have no idea. I have no idea what to expect. And as I just mentioned, there you can watch it on Paramount Plus. But what can we expect from this game, Nigel? This is a game where Inter are in somewhat decent form, but not great. AC Milan are in shocking form right now. Probably not a good time to have a derby, right? It's one of those ones, Ian, that we talk about it a lot. And uh, James knows it as well. We say that when it comes to a derby, anything can happen. You've you got to forget current form, forget current results because it's a derby. And what makes derby so special is both sets of fan bases. But it's so hard to say that I can see AC Milan all of a sudden turning it around because from what I've seen them recently in their performances, they've been absolutely dreadful. Yes, Inter been a little bit inconsistent as well, but I don't know why. But personally for me, Ian, I can see 
Inter Milan getting the win. Yes, it's a derby. Forget other results. But for me now, it seems like the wall, the wheels are completely coming off at AC Milan. Defensively, they were shocking. Collectively, they just don't look like a team at the moment. There's too many bad body language that I'm seeing in, in how they are actually performing in these games. And I just feel that this one for me, again, I think this could be an Inter Milan win. Yeah, I think Nigel really hits the the nail on the head in terms of the atmosphere at AC Milan. And look, we should say that, you know, all parties have come out and denied this the story that Rafael Leao's contract talks are at an impasse. But look, these stories don't, even in the Italian press, these stories don't emerge entirely from nowhere. And, you know, a denial is one thing, but how are they, how is it even getting there? How is how is he not signed? Well, you know, things aren't going great right now. They are battling to stay alive in the Champions League. And I'm sure a player like they are will be thinking, if they don't get in the Champions League, I'm off. Um, Inter of Inter's defence looks pretty solid and they're not scoring a huge number of goals. I think was it one against Atalanta from Matteo Damian. But you still have Lukaku and you still have Lautaro Martinez. It's a, They're good options to have against a Milan defence that is just entirely at, at sea. Doesn't look convincing in open play. Doesn't look convincing off set pieces and I wonder I mean you know we don't there aren't many derbies like this in the world where your home stadium once a year becomes the a cauldron of hatred towards you you know the 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 intensity is ratcheted up it's all against you and that's what Milan have to deal with and I mean only really a few kind of players will know what that's like but I can't imagine it's it's easy at all no, not at all, but um, obviously something to look forward to because in derby games, sometimes you can sort of kickstart your season once again. You can bring some confidence in, but these teams only just met recently and rehad, if I'm not mistaken, it was in the Supercopa where Inter Milan made easy work of AC Milan in that game. Um, I want to just uh, read out a few stats here for you, Nigel, because to touch upon what you were mentioning about how body language is poor, defensively they're poor, they're also not scoring many goals either, Milan. They have won one game in January. That was January 4th against uh, Salernitana. And if you go back, obviously, before the World Cup, they were actually in decent form ahead of the World Cup. They were playing well. They were looking consistent. They were hard to score goals against. And then all of a sudden, out of 2023, they found it very, very difficult. So what has changed at Milan from what you have seen? I know we're not Italian soccer experts. You can catch that on P+. But of course, we do love the beautiful game. And we also know the game intensely. So something's not right there. Something's definitely not right. And I think for me, it's collectively. That's what I see. And it's collectively all of a sudden now. They're starting to seem a lot more like individuals than uh, a team that's together. And that's the thing, because you look at some of the performances. I think the one I'm talking about the most for me, which was very shocking, was AC Milan uh, at Lazio. Lazio absolutely battered them. Passes were going astray. And I'm not picking on him. Sergio Des played, and obviously they've already said that they're not going to keep him there. So there's going to be questions over his future. But defensively, they looked at sixes and sevens. And in that same game, I believe Tomore got injured as well. Mm-hmm. So he's out and he's been one of their best players up to obviously the restart from the World Cup. And mm-hmm. defensively, like you said, Ian, you pointed out a great point. Defensively, they're shambolic. At least Inter Milan are solid defensively. And yes, they're not scoring free-flowing goals, but they've got players who are capable of. This is a perfect game for Lukaku, like James pointed out. I just feel that there is some stuff going on back there. I think Rafael Leao is one of the young talents of European football. Maybe his head has been turned, obviously playing the Champions League and you know playing against Chelsea. Who knows what other clubs might be interested for him? I wouldn't even be surprised if a club like Liverpool came in for him somehow, some way as well. So there's definitely things going on there with him. And like you, like James said, 
for contract talks to come out in the Italian press like that, there is something there. So I think now, what for me personally, I just see a lot of individual selfishness in the players at AC Milan right now as to why their current form has been poor. Well, as you can see by the standings there, Napoli clearly running away with it, but also watch this space because you never know what can happen with the uh, financial question marks and the point deductions in Italian football. Anything could happen in this table. It might not finish this way. Um, it is a derby game. It is something very much to look forward to. James, can I get a prediction from you? It's, because it's a derby game and you have to lob that form book out the window. <laughs> I think because it, it, it all seems completely random and reading around this and reading what Milan fans say, they, they feel like there's just no explanation and that like something's just switched in their heads. So despite everything we've said, I think maybe this might be one of those back-to-basic games that Milan have that kind of gets them surging back to where they are. So I'm going to say like a gritty, unpleasant-to-watch one-all draw. <laughs> Nigel? I'm going to go for a gritty... Intense derby, but I'm going to go for Inter Milan 2 0 win. I'm going for AC Milan to win this game. I've no idea what the scoreline is. I'm not sure how it's going to happen, but I'm going for AC Milan to win this game. Just a reminder to everybody out there you can stream every single match from Italy's top soccer league live only on Paramount Plus. Try one month free with the promo code Serie A. Our Serie A team are absolutely fantastic. You've got Poppy Miller sort of running the show there. Grella, of course, doing a great job, obviously, with the analyzing. Matteo Bonetti and Dre Cordero doing an awesome job on the commentary booth as well. And, and Marco uh, jumping in alongside Aaron doing a really great job covering the Italian football and I think this is the best it's been ever covered in the United States ever before so they're doing a cracking job make sure you follow along and if you want to get one month free use the promo code Serie A let's move on we are rattling through it today League uh, PSG against Toulouse is on Saturday it's a cracking game to look forward to although I will say this James not good news for PSG with Mbappe's injury we have no idea exactly how serious it is but it looks like he's going to miss okay well we do know how serious it is but it does certainly look like he's going to miss that first game uh, you want you take it? Just take a mic for you. Yeah, shut up, Ian. Just shut yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, in all in all defence to Ian, it has only just been announced. But uh, yeah, PSG have confirmed Kylian Mbappe is out for three weeks. That rules him out of the first leg, which is against uh, against Bayern Munich on February the fourteenth. So he is uh, he is out of that. Neymar's not in the greatest form. I think Sergio Ramos is a doubt as well. So every cloud has a silver lining. At least they might be able to play some better defenders. So, so, so James, buy and win, right? And then obviously the signing of Cancelo has just been another huge boost. Look at Ian's face. There's something I mean, not quite right at Bayern. Bayern are a, a super team. And this is going to be the start of their flying towards the uh, the title. I Right. Yeah. Something's very right at Bayern Munich. All right, let's get back to PSG real quickly. And just a reminder to everybody out there, Jonathan Johnson's not with us today because he is, of course, having a good chat, which you can catch later today, with the president of Toulouse. Uh, his name is, uh, my producer Des, Damien Kamoli. Make sure you go check that out later on today. It'll be dropping. Uh, just an awesome, awesome, awesome guy, James, doing an excellent jump. And, uh, of course, go ahead, Nigel. Isn't Damien Kamoli the same one who used to be at Tottenham, James? And Liverpool. Yeah. And Liverpool, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know him. I Mixed bag him. there. Yeah, mix, mix bag. <laughs> Finds his also, feet well everywhere, doesn't he? Also letting him know he's everywhere in that. But real quickly, I want to touch upon this because Toulouse have been a team that's really impressed me in League One. Uh, but PSG, not so much. And I know they're top of the table right now, James, but 
PSG, I don't know if you've watched many of their games this season. And um, one of the reasons why I don't watch many of their games is because recently it's been very boring to watch Paris Saint-Germain play. Now, the last couple of weeks you've seen, obviously, the, the trio back up top there with Mbappe, uh, Neymar and Messi. But these injuries keep on happening. Now, of course, it's not a World Cup year anymore. These injuries keep on happening. Inconsistency creeps in. And at some point, this is going to bite PSG in the ass. Might not happen domestically, but could it happen in the Champions League at PSG? It's starting to happen domestically, isn't it? It's three three yeah. draws. You know, the, the idea of them winning Liga and it's not guaranteed. And I think that's what Nigel and I always say. And it's why Nigel and I will always say to Jonathan, well, we're not going to watch PSG because the stakes are too low. I mean, equally because to PSG, let's imagine, you know, they're the... The, the dream scenario in the Champions League happens and they win it. Would PSG care less if they didn't then win, win Ligue 1? It's, it, it, it is the challenge of what PSG have done to their league is made it so uncompetitive that everything builds up every year to, you know, I mean, I've been at CBS now and we've been covering the Champions League. Is it, this is our third season and every yep. year we're building up to this moment and every year, you, you know, Jonathan Johnson and anyone kind of associated with PSG is watching every league earn game from behind the sofa because they're terrified of, of an injury and something happens every year. And, you know, this is what you've kind of built for yourself, PSG. So uh, welcome to reaping what you, you sow. And it, it's no worse than losing Mbappe. In, in my uh, mind, you know, the best player in the Champions League. Well, short, short of it, Ian, for me, it's basically PSG really don't care domestically their focal point and goal is to win the Champions League. And I still don't feel they're good enough. These injuries are adding up. I think there's still a problem in the sense of the egos that are there in the likes of Messi, Neymar and Mbappe. Uh, Neymar went there to be by himself and become his own star. Didn't quite work out. Obviously, him and Messi are good friends, but I'm sure he wouldn't have been happy there to be overshadowed by Messi. Mbappe wants to be his own unique star in his own nation and playing for the biggest club in their nation. And it's just, there's so much going on there. It's pampered football players who are getting paid very handsomely well and they deserve it so. But that's not the recipe to win the Champions League because other clubs have gone against that and proven that. The difference with PSG for me and Bayern Munich is if Bayern Munich needed to, they can turn on the performances to win their league domestically. But Bayern Munich is still always more well-suited for a deep run into the Champions League and are also capable of winning the Champions League which PSG for me are not. Yeah, I agree with you there. And I think the problem I have with Bayern Munich right now is the, the striker or lack thereof of a striker. But Chupo Moting is scoring goals right now, even though he's not as consistent as Lewandowski, and he certainly isn't that killer. If you think about this Champions League tie, he's going up against his former club here, which will be an interesting match for him personally. Um, just a reminder to everybody out there in League One, there are a lot of games to look forward to. There is a big game, Marseille-Nice, on Sunday to look forward to. But I think Rams will be one that we're all watching, James, because Florian Balogun has been an unbelievable formula. Yesterday, he scored a hat-trick for Rams against Lorient. He is now leading the way as the top goal scorer in the French division. Um, apparently a very good kid, uh, clearly a talented kid, and there's a big power struggle here to get his services on the national front. Yeah, huge. I mean, he has been, he has cycled through the national systems that are available to him, played a lot with England youth setup and the US youth setup as well. I believe he's actually played, born in New York City, um, also eligible for Nigeria, I believe. So this is, yes, a, yes. is a big fight. Uh, meanwhile, I mean, there's the the international side of it. Then there is the club side of it, which is is fascinating because right now you have a, a a striker on loan from Arsenal playing his first full season 
of competitive senior football. He had half a year at the champ in the championship, which I think is a really hard place to go straight out of academy football. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it depends who you are. I think it's for a striker in, 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 as no, well. I can't remember who was playing, who was in charge at Middlesbrough. Was it Pulis? It's maybe not the easiest, easiest environment to play for. Yeah, true. Yeah, maybe not the easiest environment for a young striker compared to Ligue 1, where you you will get those opportunities. And yep. the the one person rubbing their hands right now is is Edu and, and Mikel Arteta because they have a a striker who who is blown up by all expectations at the same time that Eddie and Ketia. Is, is thriving. You've got Gabriel Jesus. We're talking about a player who, if he goes, <laughs> you know, strikers who do well in league earn can earn you an awful lot of money, or if not, you've got some great backup options. So this is fantastic yeah. news for Arsenal, fantastic news for Rams. Interestingly, I, I saw a lot of him at youth level because he was with Eddie and Ketia and a guy called Tyrese John Jules, who's there at, at um, he's at, at, online at Ipswich, I believe. And I think the sense was always that, that Balogun might really struggle to make the step up that he was able to to bully youth level defenses because he was a bit quicker a bit stronger but uh, you know he's proven a lot of people around that arsenal youth setup wrong uh wrong emphatically and uh, it's a great dilemma for arsenal to be in in the summer about what they do with balogun i agree with that i'm watching well, that one for me it wouldn't be proper if i didn't ask this question for the man with the most passports on this podcast mr ian joy <laughs> if you were balogun <laughs> James has already said what nations he qualifies for. What nation would you pick and why? See, I'm a little bit different. You ask this question to someone who is um, an unusual person in this subject. I, I prefer You're an unusual people... person in every subject, Ian. Correct. Yeah. Very true. And I like it that way, James. But I believe that you should play for the country where you were born. That's where I believe personally. Um, and I don't think there's any, there should be any restriction. You know, if you're your grandparents and your parents and you have the choice, then that's fine. But me personally, um, because I was born in the States, I only ever wanted to play for the USA. And uh, when, you know, I was trying out for Scottish trials and things like that, I just didn't feel right. So I eventually pushed myself and got an opportunity with the national team and, and loved it. And there was an element of pride playing for the country where I was born, even though I sound Scottish. Um, so I would love to see him go and play for the USA. Um, but I would have no problems with him. I mean, I actually quite like the fact that he has a choice here because the USA would be able to offer him um, a lot, in my opinion. You, you've got a, a World Cup coming up in 2026 in the United States and North America. You have, obviously, the travel that you can look forward to all across the United States and the world. Um, the way the Federation looks after the players is very, very good. So he will be one of the best players, if not the best player that they have in that ranks there. James, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong here, he probably will be the yeah, best yeah, player. Yeah. No doubt the best striker. Um, but don't rule out Nigeria as well. I wouldn't rule that out because there's something uniquely special about playing for an African nation where if you look at your heritage, where your family comes from, there's pride. There's a lot that comes into play there. African Cup of Nations. I know you're smiling, you're laughing, Nigel. Maybe you can add more to this, obviously. But I think that I think that there will be something there from Nigeria as well. I just, I, I don't know. I don't know what he would do. I would if I was in but play for USA. You're right. I yeah. wouldn't go to Nigeria. I'm I'm listen, I'm African heritage. I'm very proud, but we all know African nations don't run their federations properly. There's too yeah. much nonsense behind it. So if he was my son, why would I advise him to do that? You know, the ones that are running properly are the ones that are doing well successfully and doing well in the sense of like at least you could say Ghana, Ivory Coast, there's uh, Cameroon are doing it well now with Eto going in there cleaning out house. Nigeria, with all the talented players that Nigeria have around the world. There's no reason why Nigeria shouldn't have been probably the first African nation to make 
a World Cup final, at least. And for me, it's too much politics. You're right. USA. USA have a diamond right now, but can USA really work well to woo him to get him into that USA system? Nigel, so you really want to be part of it? What? You say too much politics about Nigeria. Have you seen the state of what's <laughs> happening at US soccer right now? I mean, it is a mess right now. It is a mess, but they're still a little bit more stable than Nigeria, in all, in yep. all honesty. Can I ask you this, Nigel, real quickly? If you were Balogun, right, your best bet at playing at a World Cup in 26 would most likely be the USA. I mean, Nigeria is not guaranteed to get in that Nigeria side for a start. Nigeria not not guaranteed to be at the World Cup. He wouldn't start, would he, with Ossiman? He wouldn't start. He wouldn't start, like you said, Ian. He was born born in America, right? Yes, born in New York. America desperate for a striker right now. They need that striker. He is showing he's doing it in one of the top leagues in Europe. That he yep. what he's capable of. That's the striker you need and you can build on from with the other bits that you've already got. So for yep. me, common sense would say to the USA, we need to woo this kid and we need to get him to play for us and represent us and we can work. You've got time to build him, help him and make it be successful. But he definitely wouldn't guarantee to get in that Nigeria side. There's probably a 17-year-old that's Nigerian playing somewhere else that probably could go in there as well. Like it's It's crazy. Great discussion, really, James. I look forward to watching this space and me and you can get into more detail on House of Champions with the boys at some point about Balogun because I really find his story fascinating. Let's quickly touch upon the Bundesliga before we do head to a quick break. Wolfsburg against Bayern Munich on Sunday. Tough game for Bayern Munich. Um, they did have a very good result in the DFB Pokal against Mainz. A very good performance from Cancelo. It took him 13 touches of the ball to provide an assist for Bayern Munich and I thought he was absolutely class. And Bayern Munich had a spring in the stack. But this will be a tough game. Nico Kovac, former Bayern boss, is in good form with Wolfsburg even though the last couple of games have been difficult for them and certainly picking up results they got knocked out of the DFB Pokal um, this is going to be a tough ask for them especially with Bayern in the form that they're in but I do think that Wolfsburg can cause some problems James Ian can I ask you a question I mean we yes. know how, how I, I believe Cancelo started a, a right wing back with Kingsley yes. Coman on the left um, mm-hmm. we know that Nagelsmann doesn't like to just you know play 4-4-2 and play you know play something simple he likes to complicate things sometimes to a fault is it is the the one slight problem and you know I, I think it's obviously offset by all the excellent things that Cancelo brings but when you have someone that versatile is it just going to enable Nagelsmann's worst tendencies or see him playing like a six one however two or whatever against uh PSG because he can now he's got the players to do it is that a worry my worry about Nagelsmann is he overthinks it. And now the pressure that's on his back here, because you can only imagine you've got Oliver Kahn sitting up behind you and all the other executives that I don't know and don't care to figure out who their names are for Bayern Munich, who sit there and overwatch every single thing that happens with a club. And when there's a bad result, which means a draw, basically, they all sit and look and talk and, and basically whisper about Nagelsmann. So it's a very difficult situation for him to be in. So I worry a bit about him overthinking it. But I thought the formation yesterday was good. And if you go back to what he did do at Leipzig, He played very consistently with a three at the back. And I thought yesterday, they looked fabulous. Fabulous with three at the back. And the wing backs, Coman, not a defender, obviously. You would expect Alfonso Davies at times to step into that role and do a good job. Uh, But Coman was very, very good. Sane was very good. Musiala looked good, even though he looked injured when he came off. Um, But Cancelo adds a dynamic or a dynamism on the right-hand side that Benjamin Pavard does not have. 
I'm, I'm, I'm a, a big fan of what he's done for France and World Cups and that wonderful goal all the way back in 2018. Great job. Wonderful. Won a World Cup. Can't ever criticize him. And he's been okay for Bayern, but nothing more. Cancelo is on another level. And you can see that Pep Guardiola, Nigel, you can correct me if I'm wrong here. Pep Guardiola is all over the way Cancelo plays. He is such a confident player. He gets after people. His final product in the opposition half is sensational. And Bayern Munich have been lacking that. So I think he brings a, a breath of fresh air, Nigel. I'm just, yeah, I'm just going to say to that, he brought a breath of fresh air into this Bayern Munich team. He's re-energized them. And like James said, he gives a different dynamic. He, for me, I was a big fan of Cancelo when he was in the Premier League. I thought he was a fantastic player. He's a player that, for me, if I ever went into management or coaching, he's the type of player that I want in my team. Really is. Defensively, attacking-wise, and what he brings attacking-wise as well. And just how clever he is as a football player. Very good on the ball technically, but also very clever. Great player. And I think for me, that really has put the favour for Bayern Munich, especially as we talked about earlier in this Champions League tie versus Paris Saint-Germain. I think it's heavily favoured Bayern Munich with his signing. Yeah, I think we, we still have that concern about the striker position. But at the same time, James, you're, you think they're prime set up for waiting for the right player to get at the right time. I guess Bayern Munich would be the case, right? They need a striker. There's no doubt they need a striker. Yes, 100%. But like like you said, why just get one now unless a really, you know, unless a striker equivalent of Cancelo becomes available, why right. get one now rather than just wait when you can have your pick? I mean, we all think Harry Kane's perfect for for Bayern if that's a deal they can do, but there's, you know, there'll be loads of good strikers on the market in the summer wait till then. Awesome. Colo Moani scored recently. Awesome. Oh, yeah. awesome. That's a good awesome. one. I hadn't thought of Colo Moani. Osimhen's uh, probably too expensive for Bayern. I can't see him spending that type of money. Um, Colin Wani, also proven in the Bundesliga already, can score goals, just recently scored against um, Bayern. Balogun. Keep an eye on that one. Balogun would be a great shout as well. Young one that you can actually manipulate and they've done well with the French market. Um, Bundesliga. Uh, anyway, real quickly, there is another game taking place, which I've got my eye on. It's uh, Borussia Dortmund against Freiburg. That takes place on Saturday. I always like this game. Um, Freiburg really don't care. They don't give a shit who they're playing against. They attack, attack, attack. They've sort of lost their way in the Bundesliga since the return of the league um, but watch out for them because they will go forward they will try to attack this Borussia Dortmund side who are absolutely woeful defensively and I say it so if you're looking for Freiburg to get a goal I can almost guarantee it but I am starting to see that Dortmund are getting healthy players back again Marco Royce has come back again Sebastian Aller great to see Aller back again he needs games clearly not fit he needs games but he will score goals for Dortmund because they create a ton of chances so pretty much expecting Dortmund to get a result right there um, anything else to look forward to outside of the English Premier League Barcelona Seville on Sunday to look forward to James anything else yeah uh, the English Premier League can we talk about all that? right let's get to break then all right we're going to take a quick break more to come from the boys we'll discuss the Premier League when we return House of Champions we'll be right back when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Just a reminder to everybody out there, stay up to date with every story and every heart-pounding moment from the world of elite soccer with the Galazzo Starting Eleven newsletter from CBS Sports. It's your ultimate guide to the beautiful game, taking you beyond the pitch and around the globe with expert analysis of everything you need to know in the world of soccer. Sign up today for free at cbssports.com slash Galazzo. Once again, it's the Galazzo Starting Eleven newsletter and you can sign up for free at cbssports.com slash Golazzo. Welcome back to House of Champions, or should I call it Roman's House of Champions? Nigel Rio Coker and there's James Benj. Let's get into the Premier League. Boys, if it's okay, I want to start with Spurs against Manchester City because obviously there was news coming out yesterday, James, that Conte won't be there. It's unfortunate. It looks like he's going through surgery. Um, quick update on that one. And then let us know what you're expecting from this game because this is pretty much a battle. You've got Kane going up against Haaland. You've got Pep Guardiola going up against no Conte on the sidelines now. Who's the favourite in this game? Yeah, I mean, in terms of Antonio Conte and, and obviously best wishes to him and to, to his family, um, there, there is, from what I hear, a little bit of hope that he might be able to at least travel to London and be in the stands, but Christian Stellini will take charge. I believe he's doing the press conference as well. Um, so, I mean, that I, how much that will change things? I doubt it. You know, these players are drilled to play a certain way. I think one of the interesting changes we get, get from the previous match, and don't forget, Spurs might have lost that heavily, but they did go two goals up. You know, if, if Pedro Porro is ready to play and, and can go straight in, you, you have him on that right flank with Dejan Kulisevsky. That suddenly looks like a real danger area. And we're setting that against, and I know we keep coming back to Cancelo, we're setting that against Nathan Ake, who has been wonderful, but is still a, 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 a centre-back masquerading as a full-back. And then on the opposite flank, you know, whether it's the Dan Juma, whether it's Son, um, with Perisic as well in support, Going up against Rico Lewis, who I thought uh, against Arsenal in the FA Cup, we saw for the first time how you expose him, that he's still learning, that when you you make those cancelo drifts into midfield, you've got to be ready to come back and defend and play as a right back the second that they win the ball back. So that's maybe how Spurs do the damage and look to do that damage on the counter-attack. Yeah, it's also Man City, isn't it? Against, uh, you know, an Erling Haaland and all that. And we saw how devastating they can be in, in the space of a few minutes last time these two met. But I think it will be a bit, a bit. well, it'll be as close as that game and might just shade it towards Tottenham with that crowd behind them. Interesting. Nigel? I agree with everything James said. I think James made some great points. I think Rico, Rico Lewis has come in and done really well. Um, caught a lot of uh, eyes and attention. But I think he got exposed about the youth and naiveness of him against that Arsenal side. And yep. I think Spurs will use that as a blueprint, especially a manager like Antonio Conte, who we know is very tactical when it comes to it. Um, I think it will be tight, like James said, but I see City getting the job done. That's the only difference, I would say. How do they get that job done, though? I mean, how, how are you expecting them to approach this game? Obviously, when you're under a bit of pressure now, because um, we know the Champions League is right around the corner, but the Premier League title is slipping away from Manchester City's hands. Have they sort of given up hope here, or are they battling, and these are the games you've got to win to battle back into it? So how did they get it done? I mean, for me, Ian, if I'm honest, like I would always stick to my view on it, and I think that Manchester City would rather lose the, the, the Premier League title race and win the Champions League. The Champions League still, for me, is their focal point and it's their priority. That's what they need. That's what they're missing. And I just feel that, yes, it's it's a big Premier League game. But again, Man City fans will, will probably be on their high horse of, oh, well, we gave you Arteta. Arteta came through learning at us at Manchester City. So um, even a little smirk there. 
I think their focal point is the Champions League. I think that their attitude won't change. I think they're still going to be the arrogant, typical Pep Guardiola Man City that we see. Um, let's not actually look further than Spurs are not that great defensively still. Yeah. Still very questionable defensively. And Pep would be zooming in on, zoning in on that as well. And Haaland's going to be a problem. So I, I can see them just getting the result. It'll be tight, but I can see City still getting the result. All right, let's move on to Chelsea against Fulham. Uh, I guess before we go there, can I get a quick prediction from you guys? James, you already mentioned their Spurs and you think that Spurs uh, yeah, win is uh, No, it's no? Tottenham, isn't it? 2-1 to City. 2-1 City? 2-1 City as well. Yeah, I'm with you boys there, but I'm actually going to go for 3-1. I don't think you can stop Haaland scoring a couple of goals in this game. Just too good. But Kane, anything can happen. Let's move on to the game that's taking place on Friday. It's Chelsea against Fulham. Now, Chelsea have just spent an absolute fortune as the transfer window closed right there. Um, James, what are we expecting from them? I mean, they've obviously spent a fortune on players. Um, we've got a question mark, and you certainly have a question mark as to who would even start in that midfield position for Chelsea Football Club. And if you're in the chat, please let us know who you'd like to see in Chelsea's midfield on Friday night. Um, what are we expecting from them against the Fulham side that are actually having a good season, not in great form the last couple of games, but actually having a very good season and can score goals against you? Yeah, I mean, and you say not in great form, but they played Newcastle and they played Tottenham. And I think I didn't see the Newcastle game, but the Spurs game, they were unlucky to not get something from it. You know, they're a hard, disciplined team. They fight so hard in midfield. Jao Paulinha has made about 20 tackles more than anyone else. That's not me exaggerating for effect. I actually think that's correct, that he's made about 20 tackles more than anyone else. You know, they are tough and rough, and this isn't the great West London rivalry. You know, Fulham hate uh, hate QPR, and Chelsea don't really care about either of them. Um, <laughs> What's that, Roman? Roman's joining us. He wants the Chelsea analysis. But I mean, you know, obviously if you sign Enzo Fernandez to a, an eight and a half year contract, you're not necessarily worried about how he plays in his first West London derby. But equally with Jorginho having gone, with Kante and Zakaria being unavailable, you do have to like put together a midfield to play in this game. So they'll be hoping Mateo Kovacic is, is back and fit after missing the Liverpool game and you pairing him with, with Lewis Hall or, or Conor Gallagher. It, it's... It, that to me reads like a midfield that's like tenth in the Premier League, which is where Chelsea are. I mean, Mudrik mm -hmm. up front, I'm sure he will add a bit of a bit of spark and a bit of verve. But it, they've just spent what is it half a, a quarter of a billion pounds, or however much it is. And mm -hmm. uh, I look at their squad and I go, mm, there's quite a few holes in that. Um, <laughs> not a, I mean, yeah, you, I need convincing this. I I, I still think. I mean, everything stands and falls on how good the players they've just signed are. And, and we will find out in the years to come, the eight years to come. But um, I think they could really do right now with, with just starting to pick up some results. I think the Champions League's already gone for them, though. Nigel, real quickly before you jump in here, we got a comment from Rafa. He says, Enzo is going to buckle under that price tag. Vic is jumping in and saying, revenge, that's what you should expect. We will smash them. Don't stress. Enzo will start if the work permit application goes through fine. And Kovac is also out. But is he going to be any good having played, you know, having never played in, in the Premier League before straight away? Because Chelsea also need to do this straight away. I mean, all the talk about FFP... Uh, sorry, I'm I'm turning this into a, a monologue. But it's all good. the talk about FFP, a, a lot of it presupposes that they qualify for the Champions League. And look, yep. they're not going to win it. And I don't think they're going to make up a 10-point gap on um, Newcastle and United without Spurs or Liverpool also getting in ahead of them. And 
you know, everyone close to Chelsea will tell you, oh, this is genius. You know, we've we found a loophole and we've exploited it. Well, you know, we'll see if it's genius if you don't make the top four and and, and have to reassess things from there on. Because uh, I think we've got a very stressful few months ahead for, for Chelsea and for Potter. Roman, Nigel? Uh, don't have much to add to that. I think James is 100% right. For me, I'm going to withhold my opinion on it because I still think Chelsea is an absolute mess in how they've handled this whole situation of the players that they've bought. I still, like James, don't see a lack of real direction in what they're trying to do. I would say it now, I don't see Chelsea finishing in the top four. I really don't. And I think what people have to understand is what James is saying is 100% right. Coming into the Premier League is a complete different kettle of fish. It really is the most intense league in European football. I know some people get offended or upset when you say it, but it's the reality. For people who've played in different leagues, and I've had friends who played all over Europe as well, and playing in the Premier League, it's so different. Enzo Fernandez, with that price tag, he's coming to be a difference maker instantly. Like, you need instant results. It's not going to be, oh, you know, oh, he's won the World Cup. This I hate when people say that as well. He was a bit, he was a good player for Argentina in the World Cup, but let's be real. Lionel Messi generally won that World Cup for Argentina. It was Lionel Messi. He was the real difference maker. Now Enzo Fernandez is going to a Chelsea team where he has to be that difference maker. And just to add something to you guys, if Enzo Fernandez is worth 120 million, what's Jude Bellingham worth? Mm. 200. I think 150 to have a conversation with Dortmund. I think that would be a fair stance for them. And everyone's going to do it. West Ham will do that with Rice. Brighton will do that with Caicedo. Totally natural. And Dortmund are a selling club and they're not shy of selling players for over 100 million. You know, obviously Dembele, you can go back to that one. We have uh, also discussions about the other players of Amingang and others who have been in and out of Borussia Dortmund and sort of used it as a stepping stone. But this is the admiration I have for Jude Bellingham, by the way. It's a great question and a discussion we can save for another show. Um, but Jude Bellingham, making sure he moves over uh, to play football regularly in the window of the Champions League. What a fabulous move that was because he's made himself now a full England international because of that move. And his price tag, as you mentioned, Nigel, is probably close to 200 million. Am I wrong? I'd have to, sorry, Ian. I'd have to agree with you. I think that for me, when you look at Jude Bellingham and potential-wise, he's age-wise and what he's doing, he's doing it in one of the top, top leagues already in Europe, in Germany. He's done it on the international scene as well. And I think at times you'd have to say, if you wanted to be extra critical, you'd have to say that probably England held him back a bit where they should have let him go out there and just really be himself and take control of that game. I I think it's going to be scary what his price tag is going to be. Yes, and Roman is telling everyone he's left-footed, so he's going to be a problem too when he gets older. Love a lefty. I was a lefty myself. Scott jumping into the comments here and says, Chelsea owners know nothing about football. Baseball, yes, but not football. Uh, the other kind of ball. Uh, we're going to whip through a bunch of other games right here. We're going to start with Wolves against Liverpool. James, just a quick short one on you. No Kanate. There's some problems along Liverpool's backline. These teams have met about 45 times in the last three weeks. Um, what are you expecting from this game? Just a quick prediction from you and you, Nigel, as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be tough for Wolves. I don't, I wouldn't, you know, expect them to win this. But equally, you've got to feel confident playing a defensive uh, that that has uh, Joe Gomez and Joel Matip. It's nothing like the Van Dijk and Canate pairing. I mean, Matip is obviously a very good defender, and if Joe Gomez can get back to the player he was, everything's fine. But it's, you know, it's a bit of a shame for Liverpool that the season that they're reliving after having so many great years, they're right back into that COVID ball season where they had no fit centre backs and no fit. Yeah. As a, I suppose it's forward in this case, but uh, with all those injuries, you still have to make 
Liverpool uh, favourites, but I don't think anyone would be shocked if uh, Wolves nick something from this game. Nigel, I'm going to go for a Wolves win, mate. I'm going to go for a Wolves win. I predicted that Liverpool lose against Brighton in the FA Cup, and I'm just going for a Wolves win. That's all I'm going to say. A couple of other games to touch upon before we get to the Arsenal. Uh, Forrest against Leeds. It looks like Weston McKinney could potentially make his debut in that game. Who's a favourite in this game? Uh, Forrest, in my opinion, they're looking better, James. And they could cause problems for Jesse Marsh. And I am worried that Jesse's putting all these Americans in one place and it's going to go horribly wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's a fair worry to have, isn't it? Equally, you know, Tyler Adams and Weston McKinney know each other, you know, back to front and stick Brendan Aronson in that team as well. It's The midfield looks really nice and really solid. Uh, but yeah, like you say, you know, I, 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 the one I love for Forrest is, is, of, and it's not exactly a revelation, revelatory opinion, but going and getting Kaylor Navas, one of the best goalkeepers in the world. I mean, you know, those are the people that, the people that keep you up are the, the strikers at one end, but the goalkeepers at the other as well. And, you know, Forrest, I'm certain I'm, I sound like, I'll sound like John Terry here when he said Petacek would be worth 10 to 15 points and Petacek wasn't, but like Kaylor Navas will be worth three or four points and three or four points when things are that bunched up, that's, you know, that's a huge difference. So brilliant pickup. And I think Forrest might, might nick at least a point. Nigel, are you concerned about this with all the Americans going to Leeds? I'm not concerned. Leeds have made the choice. They're the ones who've gone and recruited all these Americans. I think it's a difficult um, place to play when things are not going well. And as people say, yes, they've been playing well, you know, the performances haven't been too bad, but you're not getting results. It's a results business. And being relegated from the Premier League is big business. So I think it's a big risk, a big gamble. And again, Weston McKenney has to hit the ground running. You know, like Leeds are under pressure. They're not, he's not coming to a Leeds that's sitting in the top six or top five. He's coming to a Leeds that's just floating with that relegation zone there. And a relegation battle is not something easy to come into in the Premier League if you don't have the experience for it. There's going to be a lot of demand. And for me, again, Forrest for me have just been. I don't even know how to describe Forrest this season and what they've done, the amount of players they've got in through the door and how they're picking up results. I feel, again, there's less pressure on Forrest and there's more pressure on Leeds. And I think that's what Forrest will play with, less pressure. And I can see them somehow sneaking a win. <laughs> Nottingham Forrest to win 2-1, says Vic. Lopetegui has turned things around at Molyneux, says Rafa. Nigel, you always predict that Liverpool will lose, says Ali. <laughs> and have I ever been wrong, Ali? No. Let's turn our attention to Manchester United against Crystal Palace. And it's not necessarily for the news that's happening on the field. It's for news that's happening off the field, James. Um, it has been reported today that uh, Mason Greenwood, uh, all the charges of attempted rape and assault have been dropped against the Manchester United striker or attacker. Uh, the 21-year-old was arrested in January last year amid allegations surrounding images and video that emerged online. Um, he was later charged with attempted rape, controlling and coercive behavior uh, to assault, uh, occasioning actual badly, bodily harm, if I even made sense to anybody out there. Um, but a spokesman has said that we have a duty to keep cases under continuous review. In this case, the combination of withdrawal of key witnesses and new material that came to light meant that there was no longer a realistic prospect of conviction. In these circumstances, we are under the duty to stop the case um at the end of the day it looks like mason greenwood is a free man what do you do with him and then we'll quickly touch upon united against palace yeah i mean you know as we record this now yet to hear anything from from manchester united about what the next steps are you know reading between the lines of what the crown prosecution service has said we can we can kind of maybe understand why this case has, has collapsed and you don't have to go far on social media to uh, understand why the investigation was was brought in the first place um, I don't want to kind of speculate on what Manchester United do next. And and I know, you know, 
that they are taking their time. They've taken their time to even consider what their immediate response, their immediate statement on this should be. Um, obviously, he is currently suspended. Um, and very hard to know because there, there is no rule book for, for the next steps on this. But um, I think as, as everyone has also said, you know, this is not something we expect to talk about a lot on a, on a podcast, but you know, it's every, every statement that we've seen with this really encouraging people to, to go to the police. It's, it's a harrowing uh, position for, for anyone to be in. And then yes, it's a very strange and, and sad uh, ordeal or a very, a very, very sad ordeal that, that people have been put through in this case. Hey, Nigel, real quickly, welcome to Uncomfortable Conversations with the Enjoy on House of Champions. Uh, please share your thoughts and opinions on this one. Listen, it's not easy to discuss these things, but it's, it's important isn't. to discuss them. This is a talented footballer. Don't get me wrong. We don't yeah. know what he's like as a human being. He's not been proven guilty. Um, but at the same time, the video evidence that we've all seen on social media and the comments that have been mentioned, it's very, very difficult to um, obviously keep him on board as far as I'm concerned for United. Ian, I'm going to be very honest with you, as I always am. It's, it's difficult. He's a young lad. And I do believe in second chances. He made a mistake. I think the difficult thing with this situation individually is the evidence is out there. As James said, the evidence is out there and it's a hard pill to swallow. And I don't know what Manchester United are going to do. I don't know what Manchester United are going to do about yeah. this situation. Hold on a second. Give me one second. No problem. I don't know what Manchester United are going to do about this situation, but it's going to be difficult for them to keep him on. Because yep. he is going to be staying. And as James knows, I feel that the reason why this case has been dropped is because obviously the witnesses are not going to cooperate. They're not going to press charges. So it's a difficult one because the evidence is out there. That's what I think is different from other cases that we've seen with football players being accused of certain things. But the evidence was there. We heard it. And for me, it's always going to be a stain on him. And the difficult thing is if he does come back, he has to be prepared for the, the abuse that he's going to get in every single ground he goes to. And it's not going to be simple abuse. It's going to be torrid abuse about the per person and the character and who he is. And his family's going to have to deal with that. There's a lot that comes with that, that people have to understand. This isn't a simple, oh, you're not good enough or you're not fit enough to wear the shirt abuse. This is going to be ac accusations of him being a rapist and all types of stuff. And it's going to be very unpleasant. So Manchester United now in a difficult situation of making a decision whether it's keeping a footballer or keeping someone who's been accused of assault with evidence out there where it's difficult for them to deny that the evidence is out there it's also something to take into consideration that ten Hag has finally settled manchester united and the distraction is something that i'm sure he certainly won't want around uh, james real quickly before we move on from this game and i'd like to finish on a positive well said from both of you uh, crystal palace they're coming up against manchester united palace struggling for results haven't had a win in 23 what's going on there for patrick I mean, they play well, but they maybe feel like a team that's lacking that killer touch. I know that also Palace fans have really been keen to see that midfield uh, strengthened, which they have done. The guy from um, Stuttgart, whose name you might be able to help me with, Ian, uh, but it's totally gone from my mind. He's mm -hmm. going to be a great pickup, um, mm -hmm. or at least, you know, sort of when I remember, you know, people that worked with him at Juventus that I spoke to said, guy's fantastic. Really Amada. annoying that I can't remember his name, Amada. And then Sambi Lakonga as well, who has come in with a sort of prove it mentality on loan from Arsenal. And you know that if anyone knows the standards that are expected of an Arsenal midfielder, it's Patrick Vieira. So um, they strengthen their midfield. They, they just need to find lot players that can score goals. We saw though that they can, they can give uh, United all sorts of difficulties in getting that with, with Selhurst Park. And I think they'd be a great team if they could find a, 
a 15 goal a season man but um yeah yeah i think it's a bit a tough game for for united but they should come through shouldn't they yeah yeah i should. agree with you i think for, for me james it's just that like you said that they, they need a striker that can be consistent and they also lack a bit of that creativity that creativity is what they're missing as well someone who can unlock the doors as well because there's been too much of a heavily reliance on Zaha and it still has been the same thing. I think for me, Conor Gallagher made a great difference. You could see the difference he made in midfield yep. and his energy and what he can bring to that Crystal Palace side. And I think that will be a player that will be great for them and especially that kind of young team that they've got coming together there. But they definitely need to, to get someone a bit more creative and to take that burden off Zaha and, and a striker that can get at least 10 or 12 games in the Prem. I'm with you because you can sort of tell that Zaha feels that pressure. He's the one that's essentially got to try and turn their fortunes around. I do like watching Crystal Palace play and certainly hope they find their consistency. Let's finish off, uh, if it's okay with you, James Benj, with Arsenal and their early kickoff on Saturday against Everton. Uh, you have uh, Daesh obviously in charge of Everton now. Um, it's been an interesting transfer window for them, a very interesting transfer window for the Gunners. Um, but this is not going to be an easy game for Arsenal Football Club. Isn't it's it? always a difficult place to go play. I really believe that. It's going to be a tough one. Especially with dice ball now, and I know he's not had much time on the training ground, but I can only imagine they're going to make this a very dirty game. Well, it's it's fascinating because you know, as, as I said when we were talking about dice um, a few few maybe last week, um, the one advantage he has is he he's going in there and picking up a team that's got quite a few players he's worked with before. You know, it'll be yep. Tarkovsky and uh, maybe Michael Keane or Connor Cody, who I know he hasn't worked with, but you kind of feel like he must have Dwight McNeil on the wings. Equally, you know, there's a reason why some of those players left Burnley and there's a reason why there was no great <laughs> devastation among the Burnley players when, when Sean Dyche was sacked and, and those relationships went went sour. Um, I, I do agree with you. I was being facetious. You, you would expect Arsenal to find a way, but this may be one of those games where it takes till the 75th, 80th minute to grind down because Everton are going 4-4-2, I suspect. They're going to, you know, play hard to beat. If Calvert Lewin's available in the in the future, perfect Sean Dyche forward with a bit more mobility and a bit more strength yep. along the aerial jewels. Good bit of quality. I think you would rather be playing Everton right now than in in three or four weeks' time when when he's okay. really had a chance to make his mark. But I think they will be tough to beat. They'll be energized uh, and Goodison is a. It's a tough place to go, especially if you're in the press box because. Um, <laughs> It was a. It, this is a 19th century stadium, uh, and it was made for people with knees from the 19th century. Um, so I'm not too. Where do you get? Where do you? Where do you go in the dressing rooms, mate? You see the dressing rooms, how tight that is, mate. <laughs> I bet. Tight. We're not talking plasma screens on the away dressing rooms, are we? Oh, mate, listen, James, I'll have to disagree with you, mate. I think Arsenal in fantastic form. I hope. I hope Trossard starts and. The best way you can go into those situations, especially Everton being at home, yes, you're going to get a little bit of re energy from the players. You know, a new manager is going to be something bright and new. But if you're going to that situation, that club, with how it is right now with the fans, what you got to say if, if you're Mikel Arteta is get a quick goal, get an early goal, put them under it, let them buckle and pressure. If Everton go 1-0 down in the first 10, 15 minutes, that atmosphere is going to completely drop. I don't think it's going to be up to 75 minutes. I think Arsenal have too much talent, too many players who will cause problems. And if they start well, I think it will be an easy win for Arsenal, in my opinion. Uh, it was supposed to be a short episode today. We're touching 50 minutes here, so we're going to get out. But real quickly, James, you've been impressed with the way Arteta's handled this transfer window, but also the way he's handling his players towards the run in here. I mean, they are very, very close to having their hands on that trophy. <sighs> don't say that um there's still uh, i think there's still a lot of work to be done and, and really all eyes on that city game on the 15th if you can get a point from that 
Um, you've got breathing space over Man City, but he's done fantastic. I mean, he and Edu have done fantastic work bringing depth options as well. Like, you know, someone like Jorginho, who I think from what I'm hearing won't be needed on Saturday. Partey had a bit of a rib injury, but I've two people have told me that that he should be fine for that, for that game. So there's depth, there's talent. It's interesting what Nigel was saying about Trossard because you, he has absolutely earned a start, but Gabriel yeah. Martinelli's not bad as well. Seeing Gabriel Jesus back on the pitch, uh, Reese Nelson is recovering. I know he's not a, a big starter, a big star, but it's more depth. It's more options off the bench. <sighs> I mean, look, there are a lot of people I know around North London who are uh, starting to get worried and start starting to fear because it might actually happen and it's a lot worse when it might happen you know you want you it's i love yeah, it everything's breaking their way so uh it's quite i love times. it i love asking you these questions by the way because i know it's something you just don't want to say right now especially i mean i have a ton of arsenal fans out there who are feeling and thinking exactly the same but for you working so closely around the club and obviously being in the london area i mean there's so many clubs around there but everyone is talking about arsenal and what they're doing right now so it's kind of a crazy situation uh boys we're gonna have to leave it there because we are hitting the 50 minute mark here producer des is kicking us out uh anything from you before we go no just a quick one before you clay before you close i just want to um clarify a comment that i made about the whole mason greenwood thing and obviously i said obviously the girl or whoever it is the accuser didn't want to cooperate by the way me saying that i'm not victim shaming or blaming the victim of this situation there it's just what i feel personally has happened where someone doesn't want to continue and pursue charges so i'm not blaming the victim like i said everything was out there it's a whole this it's a difficult situation to discuss and it's not something we want to discuss as a football podcast and uh, people's lives are involved in this and just got to show a lot of respect to you know what comes of it yeah well said Nigel and well said to both of you but also thank you Nigel for bringing us back down to a very 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 dark place to finish the episode appreciate you for that one I'm finishing on a positive James Bench where are you going this weekend which game are you going to I got Chelsea Fulham tomorrow night and then Spurs Man City on uh, on Sunday. So nice busy weekend. It's a rough life for you. Oh, it's you hard and it. struggle through all across the social media platforms. He will be. My also parents are visiting on Saturday though, so that's the that's the struggle for me. <laughs> my mum's my name, and it's the first time she's seen the flat since we. Well, it's the first time she's seen my flat at all, so uh, this could go badly wrong. You may not see me on Monday. Well, let's hope we do see you at some point next week. We appreciate you. Thank you so much to Nigel as well and Roman for jumping in the show. We appreciate everybody out there for watching, but also listening to House of Champions. Please make sure you take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Also available as video, so subscribe to us on YouTube. Nigel Rio Coker and Roman say goodbye. There's James Benj. Enjoy the Chelsea game and Spurs games this weekend. Uh, everybody out there, thank you for jumping in this week with everything that we've done with Fabrizio and the transfer window closing. It has been awesome the view numbers have been sensational thank you so much for your dedication to the show like subscribe share leave a rating and a review do everything you can to share uh, the news about the show because we're continuing to get bigger and better and it's all because of you we'll see you next time Streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.